Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And welcome to a special edition of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly post Las Vegas. Oof. Not that we went, but we we cyber stalked the uh, big Star Trek convention in Las Vegas this past weekend. And, uh, you know, our next episode was going to be us talking about the part two Mirror Universe episode of uh, Star Trek Enterprise. But uh, we, we, we haven't gotten around to doing that yet. But... There was so much news coming out of Vegas this weekend that we felt like we had to hop on the mics and talk about it. Because, man, this is some crazy-ass news that's come out of Vegas, Paul. So, Aaron, before we get into the news here, I want to talk to you about something. Oh, dear. Here we go. Well, I feel like the judgment's coming. uh, Well, (laughs) the the judgment never left. Uh, No, my question is, uh, you know, why why didn't we go? You know... uh, there are reasons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should go to this at some point. It's a long convention. It's like a week long. Yeah, I know. I mean, it, it, that's my always been my thing is that it's such a long convention and I hate to only go for part of something. But there's just no way in the world I can do a full week down there. Not nah, fair point. Fair yeah. point. But I do want to go. I mean, it is it is the largest Star Trek convention in the world. Um, and I mean, everybody's there. And, you know, man. F tons of, of information, uh, you know, came out at, at at this Star Trek convention. I mean, it looked like a blast, right? I mean, I, I I don't know about you, but I followed the Star Trek Las Vegas uh, hashtag on on Instagram over the weekend, and I mean, it was just it looked like it was a blast. People were just having a, a great big time. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that I might have to go. We might have to talk about that more. So I am walking out of the office tonight. And uh, this woman is behind me on the stairs as we're going down. So when I get to the bottom of the stairs, I hold the door open for her to go out into the parking garage. And she goes, oh, thank you. And I said I, – and, and as, I, as I closed the door behind us, I said, man, it's nice to, to step outside and it's not 112 degrees. And she goes, man, tell me about it. I was in Vegas over the weekend and uh, it, was, it was scorching hot. And I said, oh, and I'm kind of looking at her because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of doing all of a sudden that, that reassessment of the person I'm talking to. Because in my mind, the only reason to be in Vegas this past weekend was the Star Trek convention. And I know that as large as the Star Trek convention is, it's small in the microcosm of what happens in Vegas, right? You know, there are other things going on in Vegas other than, uh, you know, the Star Trek folks getting together. But in my mind, I mean, I'm just my, my eyes are refocusing on her and applying, you know, a Star Trek filter. I was suddenly putting Spock ears on her and uh, Andorian, uh, you know, antenna. <laughs> and Not I said, simultaneously. Actually, actually, I was. She was some kind of bizarre hybrid. But but I said, I said, so what were you doing there? 
keep in mind, I don't know this woman. She, I, as to my knowledge, she doesn't work in my office. She works on, on another floor or something. But uh, she, she kind of stops like, you know, I'm not sure how much I want to tell this person and uh, says, oh, I was just out there for fun, which is an, on, in any other circumstance is a wholly acceptable answer for, you know, what were you doing in Vegas? And I, so I decided, you know, we're, we're, we're jockeying position here. And I'm like, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I was, uh, on Instagram, you know, all weekend kind of watching what was going on there in Vegas at the Star Trek convention. (laughs) (laughs) You went out there with it. I did. I did. I went out there fully expecting that she was going to own it, that she was going to come back and, and say, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's exactly where I was. No, no. I mean, her entire expression said, nerd. (laughs) (laughs) This was not a moment where two likes found each other. It was very much a, uh, you know, away from me, you freaky, freaky man. So, uh, it wasn't meant to be. It was not. It was not. I I thought that I was going to make a new friend and uh, that was not the case. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, there was that moment where I felt like she was digging around in her purse for her pepper spray. (laughs) Sure, she made it look like she was going for her keys. I'm pretty well convinced it was pepper spray. Uh, Very likely. Just say. So what did she miss while she she was not attending? Well, well, what she missed, Paul, was that Sir Patrick Stewart, Sir Pat Stew himself, is going to be returning to his role as Captain Jean Card in the next chapter of the life of Captain Picard. So I heard that. I read that. Same as you. Uh-huh. And I I I am I'm rather shocked <laughs> that such a thing is actually occurring. <laughs> um from from many many angles. We had heard rumors for a while that that uh, Patrick Stewart might be coming back to Star Trek and a lot of people were speculating that perhaps it was going to be a guest appearance or something on Discovery. It's huge that he's going to get his own gig. That's huge. And that it's not a reboot and that, uh, you know, it it suggests to me that you you could have two different brands of Star Trek on Star Trek Discovery. Not two different Star Trek shows like we had with Deep Space Nine and Next Generation when they were both on or Deep Space Nine and Voyager when they were both on. But two wholly distinctly different Star Treks. You have Trek produced in the vein of Star Trek The Next Generation, essentially, and then our, our, our very different Star Trek Discovery. I mean, wild, Paul. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's very wild. Uh, you know, I, I find it very interesting that um, now, now let's let's be clear. All they have announced is that Patrick Stewart will be returning to the role of Jean-Luc Picard in a series. They did say series focusing on the next chapter of Jean-Luc Picard's life. Um so, you know, what does that mean? You know, are, are we going to see other next generation folks? Is it going to be about Admiral Picard or, or some of the things that we've seen in flash forwards in previous Star Trek episodes? None of that's been revealed yet. I, I don't know. I mean, it's Star Trek, so we're going to watch it. We're going to, we're going to record about <laughs> it, but I, I'd be surprised if it was a Jean-Luc Picard solo series. You know what? I, part of me thinks that it, I, I would not be surprised if it's not Jean-Luc Picard in his military retirement uh, and you know, Jean-Luc Picard archaeologist, you know, sort of an Indiana Jones Jean-Luc Picard. 
I would be okay with that. Yeah. And then you could, you know, you could bring in various people that we've known along the ways. I mean, just think about this. You Q is always there. In fact, what if it's a buddy comedy featuring <laughs> Jean-Luc Picard and Q, you uh, yeah. know, sort of, sort of the all new, you know, the odd couple for the next generation. <laughs> you know, I love the fact that we are seeing for the first time in a visual medium, Something said after the events of Star Trek Nemesis. We've talked about this before, that nothing has been shown post-Star Trek Nemesis. And there was even the concern that maybe that universe has been undone as a result of uh, J.J. Abrams' Trek. And that was the end of that universe. Right. Um, But apparently not the case. Uh, But, well, although technically it still could be because that was still in the – that was still in the future yet. If you if you read that Star Trek Countdown comic. Uh, But I I would imagine because, you know, he was still Captain Picard at the time. Uh, now, yeah, it, it, of course, that's all based on the Star Trek comic, right? The the uh, uh, countdown countdown. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, you know, that the, it's only canon until it's not canon. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I I am cautiously optimistic that we'll get to see, you know, some of our favorite actors back again. You know, even if, you know, for a little cameo role, like, you know, we saw Janeway in Nemesis on, you know, Admiral Janeway, Janeway, uh, ordering the captain, you know, uh, in Nemesis. I, I, I could see us, you know, just those kinds of things like, you know, just a little message from somebody or a full on guest role. So, yeah, I am. I am really excited about it. I think it's I, a crazy idea. I, I certainly didn't see it coming. Um, I, I feel like Paramount is still not Paramount. CBS still sticking it to the fans, though. Like they're like, "Hey, we know that you want that Riker Captain TV series, but how about some more Picard?" Yeah, well, or the uh, "We Want Worf" uh, campaign, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and you know, I I do. I, I hope we see Michael Dorn. He's my favorite. He's my favorite Klingon. Um, but I think the thing that's exciting about it is the thing that that uh, CBS told us over the weekend which is they want Star Trek on the air all year round. You know, they want new Trek content on all year round. And one of the ways they're going to achieve that is starting this fall, they're going to have their short treks, which are little 15-minute episodes that they're going to have one a month leading up to uh, the launch of Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery. Um, so, you know, we know that, that uh, one of the episodes is uh, with Harry Mudd, Right. Rain Wilson will be on. We know that one of the episodes is with Saru. One is with a character that I don't think we've met before, uh, who is like the the last person on a deserted ship. I think it was was the the story note. And then we'll also get one with Margaret Weissman, who plays, uh, you know, Tilly. So I. I'm super excited about those. Now, I think they're a little too short. Um, yeah, I you know, think 15 I, that, minutes is a, is too short, but I guess, yeah. you know, it is literally just something to, to wet people's yeah. appetites. Um, if this was, uh, if this was not a paid subscription service, I feel like this would just be stuff that would be released like on Facebook leading up to yeah. the release of something. It'd be a webisode, right? Yeah. A webisode. Yeah. That's what I was looking yeah. That's the word I was thinking yeah. about. Yeah. But I'm excited because, the, the the thing that I have said all along about CBS All Access is that the, the thing that they have they have failed at is that there's not enough content to keep you there, right? And for as long as they just have one decent show, people will wait for all those episodes to drop and then either pay for one month or do a free subscription for a month. Um, and they won't stay on. Having new content month after month keeps people subscribed. 
exactly. That's this is now. Um, I could. I'm looking at you, CBS. Don't raise the price, damn it. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, what is it? Eight bucks a month right now. Something like that. You yeah. pay. You pay the the extra non um, advertising one, but right. for eight bucks a month, you're basically it's at year round Star Trek. I'm paying eight bucks a month for Star Trek. I'm paying a hundred dollars mm-hmm. a year for new Star Trek content. Yeah, it's certainly not for that Good Wife spinoff, The Good Fight. Uh, <laughs> no, it is not. Or the other yeah. series, the Strange Angel one that they keep wanting me to watch, but I'm not I, going to. You know, and here's the funny thing: I keep thinking I probably need to take a look at that. Maybe, maybe, maybe it will help me validate my uh, CBS All Access expense. I feel but like you it know. Won't. But you know we're not done there because you know we, we've got Star Trek uh, Discovery season two coming. We've got the all new adventures of Captain Jean Luc Picard. We've got the four Star Trek shorts that are coming. Plus there are a number of limited series coming from uh, uh, CBS All Access. Uh, one is that Wrath of Khan story that uh, you know they've been talking about since God before Discovery started. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that uh, uh, Who's a Space is still attached to it. Uh, uh, Nicholas Meyer. Nicholas Meyer, thank you. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I I don't he think... wasn't in the – now the news release about that one specifically just mentioned that it's still in the hopper. Yeah. Well, and they don't seem to talk about Nicholas Meyer much anymore. No. So – but, you know, I, I am super excited about all of that. You know, the idea that we could have these little spinoffs, that you could have an Emperor Georgiou spinoff, that you could have uh, the Wrath of Khan, you know, telling it some some story we never knew about uh, Khan, Nuni, and Singh, that you could even see old, you know, maybe you do get a limited series of Captain Worf, right? Yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff is is really exciting to me. You have fresh Star Trek content on all year long CBS All Access. I'm going to watch I'm absolutely going to watch. Oh yeah, and you know th- this. You know, one of the things that we didn't mention is that Michael Shaban is uh, part of the creative team of that new uh, Patrick Stewart, uh, as well as writing one of the uh, Star Trek shorts or short treks. And you know, if if you're not familiar with the guy, he he is a Pulitzer Prize winning author, um, well known for his love of the genre. And so I'm I'm pretty excited that they they're bringing in good talent. If you've not checked out his 2001 book, The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, um, and you're a Superman fan, you are doing yourself a disservice. Absolutely worth pursuing. Uh, but I mean that they, I'm excited. I'm excited because part of me worries that that Star Trek is is a is a franchise on its dying legs. You know, especially having attended that Star Trek convention in New York a couple of years ago, <laughs> it felt like no one cared. And, yeah. you know, and, and even in Discovery, it, it, because ratings aren't really something that's shared on streaming media, I worry. I worry that, you know, maybe no one gives a crap about Star Trek anymore. Mm-hmm. But apparently it did well enough that CBS feels that that there's enough of an interest there to have year-round Trek. Now, of course, bringing back Patrick Stewart is, is a sign that they know fans want to see well, that and, 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 you know, I think that one of the things that they learned in the first season of Star Trek Discovery is that, OK, yeah, go out there and create your art. Right. Go out there and, you know, bust down walls and do the unexpected. But you also must must entertain your fans. And there, to some degree, you've got to engage in some fan service. Right. 
Um, I mean, that's just how that's just how this genre stuff works. You know, you're, you're not going to to to, you know, maintain your billion dollar property in the uh, the uh, manner in which you'd like if you're rubbing your fans noses in it. So, I, I mean, it's a no brainer. Patrick Stewart still acting. Patrick St- Stewart is still a healthy guy. Um, he I, on the stage, he looked fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, fuck, yeah, I, w- I am down for this. You know, I mean, it could be, you know, just a, an entire episode of him playing checkers with somebody in the park. I'm in, <laughs> you know, I, I am so in though. There is something that desperately concerns me, though, Paul. CBS All Access, uh, you know, chairman of the board, president and chairman of the board, senior executive, the the grand high muckety muck, the vice admiral of the network, as it were, Les Moonves uh-huh. is engaged in a bit of scandal right now. I did see uh, that. And my concern is that typically when an executive goes out and keep in mind, Les Moonves hasn't lost his job. But the board is certainly talking about what they're going to do about this if there's any 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 fire when they're done looking, you know, getting through the smoke, right? If if these claims are valid that have been made, there's a very distinct possibility that Moonves could be shown the door. And what's typical in Hollywood is that those projects that have been greenlit by the last guy typically don't stay around when the new guy comes aboard. Good point. And so, and that, that really does concern me because we are finally at this place where it feels like Star Trek is going to become that thing that I've always wanted it to be. Right. And I'm just like, Oh my God, please, please survive less moon. Please survive less moon. I mean, I, I I'm going to light a, a candle at mass. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to sacrifice a chicken. I'm going to sell my soul, Paul. I'm covering all the bets. I'm covering all like, the bets. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, one or the other is going to yeah. help me out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm even going to engage in some tantric sex magic. To, uh, sex. <laughs> some strange <laughs> magic, as it were. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I hear you about your concerns. I, I am also worried. Yeah, it, uh, it does concern me. But, you know, Paul, let's not dwell on the dark. Let's light a candle, okay? Let's, let's you know, let's spark up those dilithium crystals, right? Let's, uh, let, let, let's talk about hope, Paul, hope. And, uh, you know, what, what if, maybe we should ask this question, what if we were producing Star Trek? What would that Star Trek look like, Paul? That's an interesting question. It is an interesting question. Well, I feel I'm going to go first because you okay. asked the question. Like, well, uh, you know that 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 is the, the the polite thing to do, Paul. Don't answer a question with a question. Don't do it. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like when it comes to Star Trek, uh, I, I I am a fan of every incarnation of Star Trek. And as much as I have appreciated Discovery, it's not necessarily the way I would have gone with Trek. Um, you know, and, and now if what we, I should ask a clarifying question. Are we referring to television or movies? You know what, Paul? I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to let you ha- have have your way with this one. You can go television, including long form series, a short Trek or a limited series, or you could uh, even even make your film. It's what you would be doing if you were if your project was greenlit. I'd be, I, you know, I'd be hitting it from both angles. I think, yeah. As oh far yeah, as, you would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as far as 
unfortunately, I think as far as producing a connected television and movie experience, I, I think that ship has sailed. I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon. I know there was rumors of it a while back when, when CBS or Paramount, one of them was going to acquire the other, but I think that's kind of um, gone quiet in recent years. Uh, so I, I do think when it comes to the television or to the movie track, I think they are doing themselves a disservice by waiting too long in between films. Completely agree. Uh, I think that, you know, I get, I get it. I get they're trying to get it right, but God damn it. It cannot be this hard to get it right. Uh, you know, there are books, there are thousands, there are hundreds of published Star Trek authors that could assist in creating a movie. Um, and I think they have waiting, they are waiting way too long. I think there should be, and don't get me wrong, I, I'm aware. That the distance, but the distance between the Star Trek the motion picture and Star Trek two and the distance between those films was, um, was, was few and far between. But I feel like there's a comfortable distance between as long as it's been and like what Star Wars is doing at releasing like a movie every year. I don't think we need yeah. a movie every year, but I do think we need a movie at least every two to three years, um, yeah. to stay relevant, especially with the cast, uh, getting more and more busy. Uh, you know, you, you kind of have to look at the Harry Potter model. Uh, and, and adopt that in that, yes, I know these are adult actors and not child actors, but at the same time, uh, you have them for a limited amount of time. You, you genuinely should be pumping out these movies regularly. Uh, and quite frankly, not everyone's going to be a home run, but you gotta make them. Um, so that, that's how I feel about the movie franchise. I'm, I'm actually fine with the cast of the movie franchise. I, I, I quite have grown to appreciate them. I just don't see them enough. Uh, mm-hmm. From a television standpoint, I do think uh, that now now I, I, I'm falling. I have fallen in line with the understanding that it's a different universe. I think the introduction of the Patrick Stewart or the Jean Luc Picard post Nemesis continuity. I think that's the way I would continue to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm less interested in prequels that have to find a way to fit into continuity because, as we can see, that is not a way to please fans in any way, shape, or form. Um, I think you just move forward in the timeline keep moving forward in the timeline keep bringing new series that can that can you know much like star trek the next generation and deep space nine have cameos from actors who have been in previous series you can have quark pop up on an episode you can have um you know jean-luc picard catherine janeway Riker and troy on their ship show up um and i think that's the way to go you introduce a new crew but you know, to, 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 to bring fans in, longtime fans in, you have that callback to, or, or tie to previous series. And it has been long enough since Star Trek Nemesis, um, that I feel like a show perhaps on, because Star Trek Nemesis was now 15 years ago. Yeah, it was a while back. Um, you know, you can, and now not in real time, but I feel by the time you produce a show or something like that, you can have a show focused on Starfleet Academy with the son or daughter of uh you know Troy and Riker I know they weren't pregnant at the end of Nemesis but you know they were they were knocking it out it was their honeymoon <laughs> um you know I, I feel like there are there are ways to tie it into previously established canon while also moving forward in the timeline because I think that's what people want to see I'm excited yeah. about what is happening in that world and revisiting things from the past with a respect to them rather than what we're doing in Star Trek Discovery which is you know these are Klingons now you know, like they, but they don't look anything like Klingons. Right. You know, I, I want to see things that genuinely look like the things I've seen in the past, but fast forwarded in time. Uh, and I want to see that the, unlike Star Wars, I want to see that the characters that I grew up and loved 
had happy endings. Um, you know, one of the things I, 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 or, I dislike or about, an ending or an ending, you yeah, know, yeah, or an ending. I mean, just an ending, not and not something that's thrown away, but something that's meaningful, right? Exactly. You know, I don't yeah. want to see the fact that you know, and I, I hate to compare it to Star Wars, but I, I this is something that very genuinely bothers me about the Star Wars franchise, which is that I grew up for thirty years of my life thinking that Luke, Han Solo, and Leia had defeated the the Empire and that they lived happy lives. And then I come to find out that, you know, Luke or that Han Solo and Leia had a son who went crazy. Han Solo became a deadbeat dad. Luke <laughs> went into Luke went into, you know, became hermit mode and basically they're all dead now. Like, right. you know, <laughs> that that that's 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 sad. That 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 actually gets me in the heart because it's like these heroes that I grew up loving and having that happy ending don't because you because well, you've, and, you've gone I mean, that far and- with it. And to use that that Star Wars example, I feel like those characters were wasted, right? You know, they they they. I, I understand why they killed off Han Solo in Force Awakens, but to have you know, we've talked about this many times in the past on other podcasts, but to have killed off Luke Skywalker when the actress playing uh, Leia dies in real life. Um, and to not have corrected that somehow in your editing before the film came out seems like a tremendously wasted opportunity. Um, it's, it's disturbing to me how they, how they wasted those characters. And we've seen Star Trek do the same thing. They have wasted characters. Um, you know, I, I, I am right there with you on a number of items, Paul. Yes, I agree. They should be, they should be dropping films every other year to every, you know, third year. You know, they 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 should be they should have Star Trek films in theaters on on the reg. Uh, There's no reason for them not to do that. Um, I know that they weren't dazzled by the money that Star Trek Beyond made, but it did make money. Um, And I think that, you know, it's disappointing to them because it wasn't a blockbuster. But, you know, there are ways you cultivate your franchise. You have to keep producing to keep your, your, your franchise alive. And sadly, TV is the only thing that's doing that right now. We have yeah. had this crazy absence of film. There's no good reason for that. And here's the thing, and I, I don't mean to interrupt because I do want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. But, you know, you referenced something as far as, you know, cultivating the fans and the Star Trek Beyond not doing as well as they expected because it wasn't a blockbuster, blah, blah, blah. You know, I think one of the things that, that – I think one of the faults that Star Trek Beyond had, and I don't want to make this necessarily a Beyond conversation, but if I was producing Star Trek, uh, the frequency of movies, if you have movies more frequently, you can have a movie like Star Trek Beyond. That's not necessarily, you know, this knock 'em, sock 'em explosions every five minutes film. But when yeah. you only produce films every four or five years, if you're lucky, um, unfortunately, what you're doing is you're setting a precedent that every film has to be a blockbuster because it is a special event yeah. rather than here's the next adventure of that cast and crew. It's like a TV series just on the big screen. In that situation, you can cut back a little bit. You can have your Star Trek, um, you know, your Star Trek four or, mm-hmm. you know, your, 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 um, you know some of those some of those films that people don't necessarily love, but you know at least kept the franchise alive. Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Though Star Trek Four was a wild success, um, <laughs> it was. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, in, in all fairness, people didn't know what to think about Star Trek Four until it came out because Star Trek Three was such a fan film, right? It was. It there, there was. It did not have any of the mainstream appeal that Star Trek Two had. Star Trek Three was very much for the fans. 
Uh, and then Star Trek four was back to, you know, mainstream appeal. So you're absolutely right. The, the more you make, the more varied you can be in your approach when you're only making a movie every, you know, uh, five or so years, it's got, it's got to ring the bell and it makes it harder to do. And keep in mind, two, three, and four all made money. Two made a bunch of money. Four made a bunch of money. Three made money, right? Um, it's crazy that we haven't returned to that uh, method, particularly given how much money these, these, these films make on cable and DVD, streaming. I mean, there is a, there is a whole path to uh, making money on these things. And again, you're just building your content. And even I, who hate Star Trek Nemesis, own the goddamn thing on Blu-ray. <laughs> you know, so exactly, I'm going to buy it on this. to the completionist. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's a sickness. I recognize that. But uh, so, Paul. Yes, sir. You know, you, you talked a lot about uh, the media, right? You know, you talked a lot about how you would, uh, you know, set the, set the table for your Star Trek franchise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go a little granular on you because, you know, in my head, I've got a story, right? And, and I, I think this would probably be a story for one of those limited series Star Treks. But like yourself, this would be rooted in the uh, Next Generation universe set uh, post-Nemesis, right? So not post-Nemesis. Uh, yeah, post-Nemesis, yeah. Uh, pre-origins of Star Trek 2009. So uh, what we learn in the IDW comic book Countdown is that uh, Romulus is destroyed by uh, the exploding uh, sun, right? Uh, the star that, that goes Nova and that Spock isn't able to save Romulus in time, which of course sends Nero after after Spock chasing him through time and space, uh, you know, to 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 seek his revenge. But yet, it, I have it in my head that there's a rescue mission happening at Romulus. Uh, and you know maybe it's the Enterprise. Could be another Starfleet ship. You never know. But it could be the Enterprise. And uh, you know the 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 Romulans are trying to get people off planet and whatnot. And I I have it in my head that not unlike you know a scientist on that long ago distant planet Krypton launching his child off into space. That there's something similar that happens here where, you know, there's not enough you know, room in the pod that's available and the, the Romulan mother and father have to put their lone son into this, this pod to launch him out, you know, to get away from the planet before it's destroyed. But sadly, as, it's, as, it's trying, as the pod is trying to escape the crashing uh, gravity well of the destruction, um, the, there, it's, it's trying to hit warp. And, you know, the Enterprise or whatever rescuing ship is trying to tractor it over, it creates a time warp. And the ship crashes back through time and space onto the distant planet Earth some 400 years earlier, landing in the 1900s, you know. And that, that little child crash lands into a, uh, in, 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 into a farm and is raised by human parents to be human and to hide his identity. 
And of course, you know, he's not superhuman other than he is super strong, but he doesn't like fly or shoot heat vision from his eyes. But he is an alien among us. He is a stranger in a strange land living out his days and telling the story of this, you know, Romulan immigrant who knows nothing about his heritage and the impact that he has on the past. Meanwhile, you know, not unlike, you know, our first contact story where uh, the Enterprise has to chase back in time to, you know, reset time, we see the alter, we, we see the alteration of time. And, you know, maybe the, maybe Starfleet return, you know, comes to, to set the, to settle things. Maybe they come and they're not successful because they come too late when he's an adult and maybe maybe not unlike Khan Noonien Singh, he's you know bent on on a whole new world order. Or maybe it's a different kind of story, but that's the kind of a story that I like to tell. And do it in one of those limited series things. And maybe it just winds up being an alternate universe or it winds up being the past that we never had. You know, one of the things that I think we're both referencing is some way to move the franchise forward, but by tying it to the past. Correct. Uh, you know, rather than ra- n- neither one of us has suggested a prequel, uh, you know, th- maybe a, 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 a time travel aspect. Cause I know you love you some time travel. I do love me um, some time travel, but you know, I think b- there's so much opportunity there, whether it's, you know, um, I, I would love to see Quark in some capacity again. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I would love to see some of the, some of those deep space nine characters, even though deep space nine, the, the, the characters mostly had an end. Um, but I'd like to see a, a, a lot of these characters, you know, kind of kick off something new. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the, you referenced it. Well, I've referenced it. I think that's what, that's what the fans are looking for. And I'm hopeful that's what this Jean-Luc Picard thing is going to do. Well, and just, just think in this new Jean-Luc Picard thing, his new traveling buddy could be the new Dax. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are all kinds of ways to tie this stuff in and bring in fresh faces, but still tie it to that continuity. Uh, I would love to see. And, you know, I I know you're not a fan. I know you're not a fan, but I would love to see a return of Wesley Crusher. You know, there there is an audience out there for Will Wheaton. And why not co-opt some of that, even if it's for a guest appearance? Meh. <laughs> you know, he, and this is one of those characters that didn't get a good ending, in my opinion, in Star Trek: The Next Generation. I hated the resolution of Wesley's character, and I'd love to see him be back. You know, he he had that scene where he was back in uniform in Star Trek Nemesis yeah. at uh, uh, Will and uh, uh, Deanna's wedding. I'd love to see. You know, maybe there's a Captain Will out there. You know, I'm uh, sorry, Captain Wesley out there. And, you know, may, may, I mean, even if it's just him at the helm of a ship, get, you know, doing, making a couple of orders and by the end of the episode he gets blown up, I would be happier with that ending than what we got in Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. I think, if anything, the CBS deal has created so much in the way of possibility. Oh, yeah. That, uh, you know, even though if I was producing Star Trek, I would not have gone with Patrick Stewart, a Patrick Stewart-led series. And well, you go know. to hell then, Paul. <laughs> I mean, not as my first choice, but I will say, you know, um, it's I, they haven't announced if it's an ongoing series, a limited series, or what. They just said a series. Featuring the next chapter of his life. That's all they said. But I will tell you, it's a license to print money. And I will, if for nothing else, the announcement got a lot of people to stand up and go, what? <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Including I, us. I, 
Well, I mean, you know, think of guys like Wayne, you know, uh, I try not to think of Wayne very often, <laughs> but you know, think of guys like Wayne who are completely tuned out on discovery, right. You know, who are like, no, that, you know, I, I saw the free hour on CBS. It looked like crap. You know, it just wasn't scratching their itch. Well, yeah. now those guys who walked away from the table are turning around going, no, wait, what do you, what do you got over there? What do you, okay. I might want to see that. So, yeah. I mean, I, man, I, I, I think it was awfully shrewd. I think it was awfully shrewd. And now I just need my Captain Morph. If I can have my Captain Morph and maybe a little Wesley Crusher. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. You know what I don't <laughs> want to see? You know what I absolutely don't want to see? Data. No, I I'm done with don't data. See data. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Or the, whatever I, his his replacement. Before. Yeah. Before. You remember that's funny because he's before data. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. No. But yeah, I'd see anybody else. I want to see Jordy. I want to see Deanna. I want to see Will Riker. I want to see all those. I want to see Thomas Riker. Yeah. That's who I want to see. Give me a Thomas Riker TV show. It, it is funny I, that like I, we I, are both in agreement. Like, okay, we've gotten enough data. <laughs> No, no, fuck that guy. <laughs> well, and you know the reason why the reason why I feel that way is I mean you know Brent Spiner himself said you know I'm I can't continue to play this character because the character doesn't age but I do. Yeah, I completely agree with that. My problem, the reason why I feel so so much hatred towards Data is Brent Spiner was actively involved in the in the writing of Star Trek Nemesis. And so I have him to blame for all the terrible things that they did with the character of that film. <laughs> and I hold him responsible for that. Yeah, I think th th that was a, a big misstep was the – don't get me wrong. Everyone loved Data. And so they, they, they basically turned the last three Star Trek uh, movies – Into Data films. Into Data movies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I hate that. Absolutely hate that. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I like Brent Spiner. I liked Data up until Nemesis. But, uh, ooh, terrible. Terrible, yeah. but I, I, Paul, I don't want to. I don't want to go out on, on on a harsh note. I am excited about this news. I am just Me as too. tickled as I can be. Uh, you know that CBS All Access. I, I you know, I, I'm just happy for you guys to make it Star Trek All Access. Just rename the network, rename the streaming service. It's Star Trek All Access. Yeah, I, I, I would actually prefer that. Same here. I would Same have here. less of a problem paying that eight dollars a month. I am happy to have the the morning news hour uh, with Neelix every morning. Him get reading us the news. Um, I would be happy for a Will Rikers cooking show. Uh, you know, because he makes a, those those delicious delicious eggs on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, <laughs> I, I am happy for you know some sort of reality show with uh, I don't know. I, I want to say some of the uh, lesser known characters from from Enterprise. I mean, you could just make it an entire Star Trek network. I'm down for it. I mean, a horseback riding lessons with Captain Kirk. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, I'm down. I'm totally it. down. CBS, uh, give us a call. Little jazz piano with Avery Brooks, you know. <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> maybe not that one. And oh, you know, the last thing as we're going out the door, they did say that they're releasing uh, the Deep Space Nine documentary before the end of the year. Oh, good. So I'm, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, can't wait to see it. I, I hope it, it is a. I hope it is an honest portrayal of the make of I, Deep Space Nine and not a, a rose tinted glasses one. Oh no, Paul! I'd say this is Star Trek. Of course, it's going to be honest, deeply honest, Paul. Deeply, deeply. 
All right, guys. Well, we hope you've enjoyed our, our observations and musings on the news out of Star Trek Las Vegas over the past weekend. Please, please, please give us a call. Let us know what you think. Ask us a question. Uh, share your thoughts. 972-763-5903. That number once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you will win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on Twitter at Ideology Madness or on Instagram at IOM Geek. Also on Facebook at IOM Geek. It's, I mean, it's crazy how they can get a hold of us, Paul. Everywhere. But, but yeah, reach out. Let us know what you think. And, uh, you know, we'll be back and cover that other part of the uh, Enterprise Mirror Universe episodes coming up. Enjoy. <laughs> Bye. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade. 